0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. <clears throat> we are in Lubbock, <laughs> chapter 5. Yesterday, we had a uh, uh, my buddy, Mark Fretta, who we, we he's a uh, Rochester guy, and we go and ride dirt bikes at his uh, property from time to time. He's got a beautiful piece of property and a uh, great track. And he's been doing, once the first Saturday of every month, he's been doing a praise in the park, is what he calls it. And it just basically invites people from all different churches and from all over the area, uh, and different worship teams and stuff like that, to come to his place and and to uh, just worship the Lord um, and just to spend time together. And there was a brother there yesterday, and we got to talking, and, and he, he, was, he was asking where we were in the Bible, and I said, uh, we're in Leviticus. He's like, wow, people are still coming, huh? <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> but... Um, uh, in, in, in other news, uh, um, I got a message on Facebook, uh, I think it was earlier this week, from a brother who used to attend church here years ago, and he saw our, vid- our videos of our messages online, and he said, you know, it reminded him that uh, Dad was going through Leviticus when he had first come to church, and it was teaching through Leviticus that brought him to Jesus Christ. Uh, so that was great encouragement, and, and uh, there's there's a ton of meat here, you know, it's just it's just below the surface, you know what I'm saying? You know how you get in autopilot, right? You know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? Autopilot, like in life, uh, autopilot, you know, sometimes if, like when you make the same commute every day to work, and it's like autopilot, you know what I mean? Like you, you almost, you get lost in your thoughts, you ever get lost in your thoughts while you're driving, and then all of a sudden it's almost like you come to, and you're like, holy Toledo, like... I don't even, like the last few miles were just like, I was, you know what I mean? Like this, a tree could fall on the road. And I just, you know, uh, and, and you can get that way studying the word too. I should say reading the word. You can get an autopilot uh, and you just become, it almost becomes like an incantation, you know, as you're reading through it. Uh, and it's just, you know, and you're going through the words and it's like, okay, let me, I'm going to hopefully get two or three chapters. You know, I can't wait till I'm out of this book. It takes it takes discipline, and uh, uh, and and really a, de- a desire of our hearts to dig in to, to to some of these books and to try to find some of God's deeper truths in there. But they're there, they're there. I used to love it when um, <clears throat> I can't remember if it was Missler or who it was that used to say that the one of the traditions of rabbis is that when Messiah comes. Uh, he's not only going to teach us what the words mean, but he's going to teach us what the spaces in between the words mean and what the punctuations mean and all of these different things. You know, there's a depth to the word that we haven't even scratched the surface. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, it's funny when when preachers or theologians uh, are dogmatic. It, you know the main tenets of Scripture. We need to be dogmatic in. Please, you know, don't don't misunderstand me. We need to be dogmatic. You know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should. We can never ever compromise that. The fact that this is God's word and, and it needs to be applied to our lives. And there's many things within the Word of God that are pretty easy to understand. That are pretty basic. But I just can't help but get the feeling <laughs> that, it, that that all of that is just like the low hanging fruit. And, and that when Jesus comes, when he does come, you know, can you imagine that first Bible study? I mean, I, I, I'm assuming we're going to still do Bible studies. I don't know. But can you imagine when Jesus Christ, you know, when, when you read through, and this is another thing, and you read through the Gospels and you read, you get to the, when Jesus goes up and, and gives a sermon on the Mount. And again, you can, you read, you understand how revolutionary that was. And the people that had ears to hear and had eyes to see, listening to Jesus speak those words that he spoke in, 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 in the Gospel of Matthew, as it's recounted, they must have just been absolutely floored. Because the things that Jesus taught, you know, it makes sense why they said that, you know, when, when Jesus taught, he spoke as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law, you know, and they we're just drone on and this is the law and this love. But Jesus Christ, the Word become flesh. The word become flesh and the dynamic power with which he spoke the word of God enabled by the Holy Spirit uh, and opened it up for us. You know, He here he comes, the promise of all of the law and all of the prophets and all of the sacrifices and all the things in the Old Testament that pointed to Jesus Christ and then suddenly he was there. Suddenly he was there and he was speaking words that no one had ever spoken before in ways that no one had ever uh, spoken them before and yet... He was in such a natural package. He was wrapped in such a natural package, as the prophet says. He was without form or comeliness that we would be drawn to him or attracted to him. He's just an average looking guy and he was so natural and he was so down to earth in in how he lived his life that he was overlooked uh, and dismissed by so many people. And, and yet, when, when he offended people and they began to leave him, and he says to his disciples, what about you? Aren't you going to leave too? And they're like, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Because they were able to see. They were able to listen to what Jesus said. And because they had hearts that were willing, that eyes that wanted to see, ears that wanted to hear, that wanted to hear the truth, man, they were able to, they were able to understand some things and other things they didn't understand until later when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. But just the power that was, that was there. So <clears throat> I think it's important that, that any time we're studying the Word, any time we're going through the Word, that we really we have to stop ourselves and say, Okay, okay, relax. Don't be thinking about what's next. Don't be thinking about what you're going to do after this and how quick you can get this done. Lord, open your Word to my heart. Open your word to my lives, to my eyes, and I think I think that's what He seeks to do, more and more as time goes on. Uh, but we're in Leviticus chapter five. We got a few verses down last week. We're going to try to finish chapter five. Uh, we have to finish it because Dad's starting chapter six in the second service. So I'll try to get through this as quickly as I can. Let's start with a word of prayer, shall we? Uh, Heavenly Father, we ask and pray, Lord God, that You would speak to our hearts this morning. That You would interpret the words uh, of Your book, Father, to our hearts and and and, and introduce. Uh, things into our lives, Lord, maybe that we haven't thought of before, Lord, that we would always be seeking to press uh, closer and to draw deeper into a walk and relationship with you, to be more of a disciple today than we were yesterday, Father. And we pray that as we draw into you, you would be conforming us and changing us and filling us with the joy, Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you've called us to do, Lord. Uh, we want to praise you and we want to give you all the glory this morning and then ask that you would have your way here in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Leviticus chapter 5 uh, and starting uh, with verse 4 now these are again these are unintentional sins and the trespasses offerings that were to be offered for the commission of or the committing of these unintentional sins uh, again I think it's important to, to remember the fact that um, there, was, there, was, there was only sacrifice uh, for some intentional sins after the penalty had been paid. Uh, And and for any commission, uh, uh, you know, in premeditated commission of sin uh, or against the law or against the holy things of God that he had instituted, there was the punishment that awaited. There was no sacrifice that could be given uh, to just eradicate that and to take that away. But concerning these uh, trespass offerings for, for unintentional sin... You know, we talked about uh, not uh, failing to give the entire truth of a matter when under oath. We talked about touching any unclean thing. Uh, And in verse 4, it says, If a person swears, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips, to do evil or to do good, uh, whatever it is that a man may pronounce by an oath, and he's unaware of it when he realizes it, uh, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. So swearing an oath hastily, uh, you know, we might call this uh, trash talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, might say, you ever have? When I remember when I was in school and stuff, and 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 boys, especially boys, in, in well, maybe not especially boys, but kids in 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 young kids, they they run their mouth. Have you noticed? They run their mouth an awful lot, and a lot of what they say. Is just trash. We <laughs> call it trash talking. You know, he's just talking trash, just talking trash. Um, but it's this idea here of being presumptuous or, or being emotional or just bursting out with, I swear, I swear. Now, I'm I'm going to do this thing or I swear to God I'm going to do this thing or, or, or to swear whether it's good or evil, it says. And so you have this, this hasty speaking forth of something and making an oath of something that we're going to do. Uh, or, or, or that we're not going to do, or whatever the case may be. This presumptuous thing of just of just swearing something, and it's not really a sacred thing. It's almost, in a sense, a kind of uh, taking God's name in vain. You know what I'm saying? That 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 kind of thing where we're using God's name in a way that's not bringing honor and glory to Him. You know, which which we're I'm you know it's like the Lord like hammered me this this week because I'm like Mr. Comedian. You know what I mean? And um, and so I'll say things like, you know, punch that guy in the throat in Jesus' name. You know, ha, ha, ha. Just being funny. And, I, and, I, and I, I, was, I was hanging out with the family and my little girls were playing. And Mallory somehow pushed Brookie. It wasn't, I don't think, intentional, but Brookie fell down and Brookie said Jesus. And I was like, because we don't use the Lord's name in vain like that, ever. And I was, and, and she said it like the way you would say it, using it the wrong way. And I was like, and she immediately, I, Brookie, and she looked up at me like this. And I was like, I better tread lightly here because this isn't just like a cause and effect type thing. I need to talk to her. You know, and I brought her inside and I was like, Honey. When we say the name Jesus, you know, we only use that name when we're talking about him or when we're praising him. His name is to be honored. His name is to be magnified. And I felt the Holy Spirit just go, what about you? You know what I mean? And it's like, this isn't about me, Lord. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is about Brookie right now. I'm trying to teach her, you know, do you mind, you know? What about you, Mr. Funny Man? It's all in good fun. And I'm not trying to disrespect the name of Jesus or anything like that. But nevertheless... you know, unintentional, right? Nevertheless, then I I talk trash too much. And, 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 And it says whether it's for good or for evil, you know, it could be something that's just wrong like that. Or it could be something, you know, how many times have you promised God? How many times have you promised God? You know, we spoke a little bit last week, James Vernon McGee, you know, talking about, you know, talking, singing hymns about walking through the garden. And he's like, you know, may I say to you, some of you can't come to church if it's raining outside, you know. Uh, and it's true. It's true. So often we can make these professions and, Lord, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it ends up we're just talking trash. You know, swearing an oath. Um, in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, if you want to turn there, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 2 to 7, says, <clears throat> Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you on earth. Therefore let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error... Why should God be angry at your excuses and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. But fear God. But fear God. All the promises that we make to God. Solomon said here uh, at the beginning of this portion to perform the oaths that you swear. But Jesus takes it one step further in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 starting with verse 33 Matthew 5:33 Jesus says Again you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall not swear falsely but shall perform your oaths to the Lord But I say to you do not swear at all neither by heaven for it is God's throne nor by the earth for it is his footstool nor by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And so you get the idea here that that really God's intention and what God's desire is for his kids is that we would be thoughtful in the uses of our words. That that there would be a thought process that comes, especially when it comes to our service of Him, and the things that we say concerning what we desire to do for Him or what we're going to do for Him, uh, that there should be a weighted, a weighted thought process there, that it shouldn't be hasty. I think it's pretty clear, Um, you know, Solomon. It it almost seems to me that he's saying, you know, you know, to be swearing by heaven, you're uh, you're you're a creature of earth. You know, we've been saved, we've been born again, and we have been sealed for the day of redemption, and our citizenship is in heaven, but we're still creatures of earth. I mean, gosh, your flesh reminds you of that every single day, doesn't it? So when we're speaking of things
1: that are heavenly,
0: we ought to do so with reverence, right? We ought to do so with our minds, that we ought to be thinking about the things that we say or the things that we promise. I I like what, what James says. I think it's the best way to say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. You know, God willing, if the Lord wills, I really would like to do this thing. But I think it's important. I think that words matter. And the Bible talks about idle words, doesn't it? And 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 again, this hammer time for me, man, because I'm Mr. Idle Words. You know, I'm Mr. Funny Pants, babbling mouth, you know. Uh, and it's like, man, I ought to be thinking about the things that I say. Because they're important, especially as they relate to serving God. Uh, now, as we move down to verse 5... Uh, And it shall be, when he is guilty in any of these matters, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb, or a kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. If he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespass which he has committed two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. And he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer that which is for the sin offering first and wring off its head from its neck, but shall not divide it completely. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, and the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering." And he shall offer the second as a burnt offering according to the prescribed manner. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin which he has committed, and it shall be forgiven him. But if he is not able to bring two doves or two young pigeons, then he who sins shall bring for his offering one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he put frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering." Then he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take his handful of it as a memorial portion, and burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement for him for his sin that he has committed in any of these matters, and it shall be forgiven him. The rest shall be the priest as a grain offering. Now, interestingly enough, um, we have here in verses uh, 5 through 13 the prescribed sacrifices for the trespasses. Uh, before mentioned, which depended on the means uh, of the person offering the sacrifice. That's how it goes from a lamb, a kid of the goats, and then down to turtle doves, and then finally down to an ephah of fine flour. This is depending on the means. There was, there was, there was God didn't want there to be anything keeping anybody, no matter what uh, their status in this life was, away from worshiping him and away from being able to come to the tabernacle and to confess their sins and to be atoned for uh there there was there was this was not an elitist uh thing god wanted this to be available to everybody but the first thing that we see is that it starts with confession in verse five it shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing it always starts with confession it's an interesting thing there Uh, one of dad's favorite verses that he loves to quote for us is john first john 1 9 uh if we if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness and dad has taught us very well over the years that that is that if is a a conditional conjunction we might probably all say that together you know because we've heard him say it so many times it's a conditional conjunction if then if we confess our sins then he is faithful and just there has to be a confession anybody who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody who comes to God to worship Him must have a penitent heart. There has to be a heart of penitence. God never has and never will accept our pride. And gosh, we got so many of it. We have so much of it. There's so much pride in us. You ever surprise yourself with your pride? You know, you ever, have you ever, like, you, you, all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness. Like, I'm really, I'm really not liking. This thing or that thing or the way i'm being sure that like i really have a high opinion of myself like i don't i'm not going to accept this and i'm not going to accept that or i'm not going to do this or i'm not going to do that it's like who am i like man i I still got a lot of pride left in me and and i think that and, and maybe this is just me but have you noticed in your prayer life uh that when you're coming to the lord and you're making your confessions known it's one thing to say this lord forgive me of my sins this week Lord, forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for for my sin. That's easy to say. It's easy to say. But to itemize it. You know, when you know that there's something in your life that you've done that is wrong, that there's something in your life that you've done or that you're doing that is contrary to Scripture, that God's Word has said, do not, and you're doing it, or God's Word has said, do, and you're not doing it, and you know this and you're aware of this thing, to vocalize that is more difficult. It's more difficult because it immediately puts a foot on the throat of your pride. It immediately, because there's a submission that's there. There's submission. I don't like to submit. You know what I mean? I don't like to submit. You know, I got a bunch of little kids and some of them more than others uh, hate to be held down. That feeling of helplessness you know, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? And I always have wrestled with my kids and, you know, you know daddy, throw me on the bed. It's always been our thing. And, we and 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 you know, it's the game's over when they're crying. You know, that's when it's time to stop. That's when you've played enough. enough <laughs> when they're crying, it's like, okay, it's done, done with their play time. But, um, but, but some of them, more than others, hated, and I would do it to tease them because I'm a jerk. And so to just grab them like this and they can't move. And they can't get away. And that's like I hold them until they weep and break down emotionally. You know what I mean? But just for a a, a split second. And some of them more than others really freak out at that. Uh, because that is a complete and total submission. You know, some of you have had puppies may have, in part of your training of them, you know, put them on their back, uh, to put them in submission to you because you're the master and they need to know that you're the head of the pack. And so there's that submission there, and it's that sense of showing your throat, "Ooh, I don't like to do that. I don't like to do that. And when I come to God and say, "Lord, forgive me of my sin. Lord, forgive me of my sin," I, I understand that I'm a sinner, just like everyone else. So forgive me of my sins one. Well. That's easy. It's easy enough. But when I come to the Lord and I say, "Lord, forgive me of my "uh, Lord, forgive me for my uh." Lord, forgive me because I didn't do uh That's harder. Because that's you flipping up on your back and showing God your throat. And that's what God wants from his worshipers. That's what God wants, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. When the prophets would come to the people again and again and again, one of the things that they were always saying to them is... Enough with your sacrifices. Enough with your new moons and your Sabbaths and all of the traditions that you're keeping. Good for you. Rend your hearts, not your garment. You offer sacrifices and you do the appropriate things, but your hearts are still rebellious against me. You still are unwilling to submit to my rule in your life. And so because of that, your sacrifices are meaningless. But we have to be broken and contrite before the Lord. There has to be a confession. I blew it. I did this. I did that. I think that that's a very important thing. Uh, now, as we go down <clears throat> through these sacrifices, as we were saying, we're going from the sacrifices that were given by a person with means all the way down to the very poor, poorest amongst the people. And verse 11 uh, is for the poorest person who's not able to bring a kid of the goats uh, or the lamb or a lamb or, t- or, or two turtle doves. Even um, if they don't even have the means for that, then they can bring this ephah of fine flour and. There's no blood involved in this sacrifice. This is what I, what I was really noticing this week. And this is, I was thinking about this. Well, Wait a second. We know that Hebrews 9.22 says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so here's this trespass offering that is being required of the people who have, it's come to their attention, it's come to their knowledge that they have done this thing that they have broken this law, and so they're coming to offer a sacrifice for it. And it's a blood offering. There has to be still a shedding of blood, even though it wasn't intentional, that it was done rashly or without thinking. There still has to be the shedding of blood. But then we get down to verse 11, and suddenly it's flour. And that's interesting to me. It's flour. Um, To me, this shows the fact that God's willingness to accept any sacrifices at all was in itself an expression of grace. And and we know this from Hebrews, don't we? The fact of the matter is is that the blood of goats and sheep and turtle doves could never really atone for sin. We talked about this last week. That's why when the Old Testament saints died, they didn't go to heaven. They couldn't go to heaven. They couldn't be in the presence of Almighty God. Their sin was not fully atoned for. They went to what we call Abraham's bosom. That's what Jesus taught us, that there was two compartments in Sheol, where the dead went the place of the unrighteous dead and the place of the righteous dead called abraham's bosom but no one could enter into heaven when they died until jesus christ died on the cross moses wasn't good enough abraham wasn't good enough isaiah and jeremiah weren't good enough elijah wasn't good enough it wasn't good enough only the blood of jesus christ could atone for their sins and so to me, seeing God accepting that they were un- or unable to bring a blood sacrifice, they didn't have any blood to offer. And so God accepts flour, fine flour, an ephah, fine flour. He accepts that in place of blood shows me more, man, God's grace, God's mercy, and God's willingness to accept a broken heart and a contrite spirit. To me, the sacrifice, you know, that was to be made. God's God saying, "I'm going to accept this sacrifice, uh, this burnt offering, in place of your judgment." But really, where that connection back to God and that forgiveness comes from is that confession, that 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 humility. Uh, and notice what it says in verse eleven. Um, a tenth of an ephah of fine flour is a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he put frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. God does not want his expression of grace here to be diminished by the worshiper trying to dress up the sacrifice to make it more worthy or to justify to him or herself the fact that he was not offering blood. It's a poor sacrifice that's not good enough, and the Lord has to make up the difference. And that's just how he wants the worshiper to see it. He doesn't want it dressed up. Don't add oil to it. Don't add frankincense to it to try to dress it up to make it more worthy. It's your heart. It's your obedience. It's your confession that God is after. And by acknowledging the fact that the worshiper expresses humility and obedience, uh, that's what God was really after. Now, verses 14 to 19... Um, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, if a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as his trespass offering a ram without blemish from the flocks with your valuation in shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary as a trespass offering. And he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing and shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest so the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering and it shall be forgiven him if a person sins and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the lord though he does not know it yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity again there's that idea that ignorance of the law is no excuse it doesn't make any difference If you've broken the law, you've broken the law. It doesn't matter if you didn't see the posted speed limit, right? If you broke the law, you broke the law. I didn't even see that four-way stop sign. You still broke the law. And God's law, of course, is higher than man's law. So what he's saying here, again, is it doesn't matter. He shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it. And it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. Now, this trespass offering concerning... Sinning unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord. This would be in association with our worship. This would be in association with offering. This would be in association with anything that had to do with the worship of God in his prescribed way. Okay? Whether it was a sacrifice or whether it was any other part of their their worship of God that he was he was very specific about right. This is the way in which you will worship me, and this is how you will worship me. God was very specific about that, uh, and you know, and I think I think in our day uh, of, uh, in this age of grace and mercy, sometimes we can take license, uh, and we can we can take a little license in 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 the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, and we ought to always remember that He is still God. That he is still the creator of the universe and the king of it, and that he is requiring us to worship him still in the prescribed ways. You know, uh, we don't want to we don't want to get into any kind of worship or any kind of service to God that's extra biblical. We don't want to do that. God's grace is wonderful, and God's grace gives us a lot of leeway, doesn't it? But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't still be diligent. To try to do things including our worship of him and our service of him in the way in which he's prescribed in his word. That's why we need to be students of the word. But here it is where a person uh, trespasses in some way in their worship. In the way that they worship God and they realize somebody tells them you know, you just blew it. You, you weren't supposed to do it that way. That's not the way that you were supposed to do that. Or you know, you didn't give the right thing or you didn't do the right thing there. When they become aware of it they're guilty. And there's a trespass offering that had to be offered for that. Uh, again, if anyone sinned concerning the holy things intentionally, if anyone uh, was, was, was defiant in, doing, in worshiping God their own way, there was no sin offering for that. There was no sin offering for that. We're going to get to very shortly uh, Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, um, and, and how they were dealt with when they offered up unauthorized fire. You know, God had said, this is, this is the way that you offer the incense. This is the way you burn the incense before the holy place. Uh, and Nadab and Abihu decided, We're going to add a little bit of our own, our own savor to this. And, and they did it intentionally. And it was an unauthorized fire. And God dealt with them very, very harshly. Very, very harshly. But even in the way that we worship God, even in the way that they were to worship the Lord, even in the way that they offered sacrifices, they were expected to do it exactly the way God had prescribed. Exactly the way God had prescribed. There was no, I'm just going to do it this way, or I'm going to do it that way. And it doesn't matter what the Bible says. We're under grace. It doesn't matter about... It does matter. It does matter. I think we need to be diligent in that. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for... um, this book, Father, that, that, that goes deeper, Lord, than, than just the surface, hopefully, Lord, in our hearts. And uh, we pray, Father, that you would be continually revealing your Son uh, to us, Lord, through this book, Lord, as we go through it. And we ask, Father, that you would help us to have those, um, those broken hearts and contrite spirits, Lord, that you, uh, just as you required of the people of old, Lord, we pray that we would have that same desire, Lord, to be just completely submitted to you and to your will. Uh, Lord, and that we would seek to live our lives and to worship you, Father, in the way in which you've commanded us to by your word, Father, and that we would never seek to take uh, matters in our own hands or to do things in our own way, Lord, but we would always be uh, diligent, Lord, to do things the way that you've called us to do them, Father. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be quick to ask for forgiveness, Father, when when we become aware of something in our hearts or something in our lives, Lord, that is not in keeping with your word, Father. We just pray that you would make us Uh, a humble people, Lord, that we would be like children that would be willing to say, I'm sorry, and be willing to be broken before you, Lord. Uh, Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've given us, and I ask that you'd be with each one of my brothers and sisters, Lord, as they go from this place. I pray that you'd bless them and that you'd keep them and that you'd cause your face to shine on them, Lord, that you'd be gracious to them in every aspect of their lives, and you would continue to lead them upon your path of righteousness, truth, and holiness, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.